In today's show, we're going to be discussing everything Michael Saylor, quoting him here from a recent interview. Bitcoin represents thermodynamically sound money and thermodynamically sound property in a modern high velocity economic energy system. So that being the case, anyone not using it is running on a 20th century system that's defective. I'll also be sharing his latest $1 million Bitcoin price prediction and why the Bitcoin price is likely to exceed that seven-figure mark. We'll also be discussing the latest technical analysis as well as Coinbase versus the SEC court dates have been confirmed for the initial case arguments. We'll also be discussing WorldCoin token launch sparks a response from Vitalik Buterin, co-founder of Ethereum, as well as a Bitcoin positive feedback loop. According to analysts, for Casting a price surge beyond $120,000 per BTC, ultimately meaning more than quadrupling its current value. We'll also be discussing the trader who predicted the May 2021 crypto crash issues a Bitcoin warning, outlining a Bitcoin target for the next market cycle of $157,000 by 2025. And of course, we're going to be discussing everything Michael Saylor, his 1 million price prediction, all this, plus so much more in today's show. Hey, what's good, crypto fam? This is first and foremost a video show. So if you want the full premium experience, visit our YouTube channel at CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Again, that's CryptoNewsAlerts.net. And welcome everyone tuning in. This is pod number 1351. I'm your host, JV, and today is July 24th, 2023. Naturally, there's lots to discuss, so let's uh, dive right in to today's market watch, which you can see here in your screen. We got Bitcoin and the greater altcoin market currently correcting and in the red with Bitcoin down 3% for the day, maintaining just above 29100 We have Ether down 2%, trading at roughly $1,850. Solana is one of the biggest losers. We also have BNB, XRP, Cardano, all correcting and in the red. And checking out coinmarketcap.com, the current crypto market cap sits at $1.17 trillion with $35 billion in volume in the past 24 hours. Bitcoin dominance at 48.4% with the Ether dominance at 19% even. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers in the past 24 hours, Trust Wallet Token leading the pack up 8%, trading just above 94 cents, followed by Doge up 4%, trading at 7.4 cents, followed by XDC up 1%, trading just above 5.2 cents. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers for the past week, a massive sea of red. Oh no, only a handful in the green. Some of the biggest losers include the infamous Pepe coin, as well as uh, Block Stacks. And checking out the Crypto Greed and Fear Index, we're currently rated a 55 back in greed. Yesterday was in neutral, the same as last week with a 54, and last month a 62 in greed. So there you have it. How many took advantage of this current dip? Comment BTFD in the live chat or in the main comment section right down below. And massive shout out to everyone joining us live in the live chat. Shout out to Sailing with Twins and Up2, Mark DeBellis. We got Nate, Michael Volkman, Chester Gregory, Johnny Midas, Robert Brady, Chris Minka, Bitcoin Maximus. Shout out to the entire Bitcoin fam. So, all right, now let's dive into today's Bitcoin technical analysis and see what is happening. The birth of the Bitcoin short-term hodler whale. That's right. Since the Bitcoin price action returned to 30000 a shift has taken place amongst Bitcoin traders. As Glassnode shows, so-called short-term hodler investors holding coins for a maximum of 155 days have become significantly more common. 
Welcome. As it turns out, the largest volume investor cohort, the whales, is also composed of large numbers of short-term hodlers. Quoting Glassnode here, short-term hodler dominance across exchange inflows has exploded to 82%, which is now drastically above the long-term range over the last five years, which is typically 55 to 65%, according to Glassnode. And from this, we can establish a case that much of the recent trading activity is driven by whales active within the 2023 market and thus classified as short-term Modelers. Now, interest in trading short time frame moves on Bitcoin was already evident before May since the FTX meltdown in late 2022. Speculators have become increasingly eager to tap the volatility, both up and down, and the results thus far have been mixed. Realized profits and losses have routinely spiked in line with the volatile price moves. Quoting them again, if we look at the degree of profit loss realized by the short-term hodler volume flowing into the exchanges, it becomes evident that these newer investors are trading local market conditions. Each rally and correction since the FTX fallout has seen a 10,000 plus Bitcoin uptick in short-term hodler profit or loss respectively. So there you have it. And where are my long-term hodlers at? Hollish boy. And closer to the present, the whales have ramped up exchange activity at one point in July, accounting for 41% of total inflows as outlined here in this chart. Analysis of the whale net flow to exchanges can be used as a proxy for their influence on the supply and demand balance. The week on chain comments on the topic, whale to exchange net flows have tended to oscillate between uh, 5,000 Bitcoin a day over the last five years. However, throughout June and July of this year, whale inflows sustained an elevated inflow bias of between 4,000 and 6.5 thousand Bitcoin per day. And as reported, the whales are not only forces at work when it comes to Bitcoin sales. We also have mining pool pooling hitting the headlines with its transactions destined for Binance, while miners potentially hedging profits also contributed to the sell side activity. So as the boring sideways trading action continues. Let me know if you're currently more bullish or bearish on the king crypto, meaning do you expect it to continue to pump or do you feel we're likely to correct to lower levels? Let me know. And at the end of the show, I'll be reading everyone's comments out loud, which takes us to our next story of the day, which is Coinbase versus the SEC. The date has been confirmed. That's right. The latest development in the lawsuit of the US SEC versus crypto exchange Coinbase, the largest crypto exchange in the United States, comes as the date is confirmed for the two parties to voice their initial arguments. On July 24th, Coinbase's chief legal officer tweeted the news of the New York judge, Catherine Polk, approving the joint request from the SEC and Coinbase to proceed forward in the hearings, as outlined right here on crypto Twitter. The initial documents submitted by the two parties highlighted that an agreement was concluded for Coinbase's motion, an opening brief to be due August 4th, 2023, which is right around the corner, right? Along with the timeframes for various subsequent supporting documents and responses, and the respective length of the documents. However, no agreement was reached on the deadline for the SEC's opposition brief, to which Coinbase proposed 30 days after its opening motion and brief, and the SEC proposed 60. Now, the judge responded by an approval granted in part, which includes Coinbase's deadline of August 4th for the initial brief, as well as August 11th for the supporting documents, which is in the coming weeks. She also went forward and settled the disagreement over a date for the SEC opposition brief, which is to be due on 
on or before October 10th of this year with Coinbase's reply by October 24th or sooner. And as a response to the lawsuit on July 14th, Coinbase announced it will be pausing the ability of customers in California, New Jersey, South Carolina, and Wisconsin from staking additional assets until further notice. The SEC's case against Coinbase is one only of the crypto-related lawsuits it is involved in and with Ripple Labs' lawsuit being a hot topic in the industry. According to the July 17th report, Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, reportedly plans to meet with lawmakers in the U.S. to discuss legislation of digital assets and other similar topics. So there you have it. How do you feel it's likely to play out for Coinbase with the continued unlawful regulation by the SEC? Let me know your honest thoughts in the comments below. More than likely, I think they'll get a slap on the wrist and have to just pay Gary Gensler and the SEC a huge fine like we witnessed with Kraken earlier in the year. They got fined $30 million. There's the XRP lawsuit. They'll probably be fined 100 to $500 million as well. But fortunately, they have the war chest to play ball. And I think Coinbase as well, as it's one of the largest exchanges in the world. And the same with CZ. So I think they will survive. But we shall see. Let me know how you feel it's likely to play out. And now with everyone that's talking about WorldCoin this, WorldCoin that, well, Vitalik Buterin, the co-founder of Ethereum, shared his thoughts on WorldCoin. Let's discuss this right here. Check it out. Vitalik, co-founder of Ether, released a long-form essay with his thoughts on the recently launched WorldCoin human identity verification system. This was on July 24th. He tweeted his response to WorldCoin, which launched the same day as he initially put here. What do I think about the biometric proof of personhood. And in the article, along with the explanation of WorldCoin and how it intends to work, Buterin addressed the larger concept and discussion within the release of the WorldCoin token, which is proof of humanity. A very interesting concept, right? WorldCoin, along with similar identity solutions, such as proof of humanity, bright ID, and also these other things believe that as artificial intelligence advances, it will become increasingly difficult to distinguish between humans and the machines. Most of these systems that supply a token type such as WorldCoin also see human utility being endangered by bots and therefore needing a universal basic income. Buterin writes that these factors combine beckon the need for digital verification of humans. He argues that the system of proof of personhood is valuable to solving anti-spam and anti-concentration of power problems and additionally the Ethereum co-founder highlights that systems like WorldCoin, if it continues to decentralize as promised, will avoid dependence on centralized authorities and reveal the minimal information possible. Quitting him here, if proof of personhood is not solved. Decentralized governance becomes much easier to capture by very wealthy actors, including hostile governments. Buterin also addressed the major concern looming over such solutions, which he summarized into four main points of privacy, accessibility, centralization within the WorldCoin Foundation, and security. And on June 27th, WorldCoin had a small scare that it immediately clarified after thousands of safe deployments to optimism caused speculation of an attack. We had Steve Dock, developer, working on the Ethereum as testation services, which is the network's own service that creates, verifies, and revokes on and off-chain attestations, commented Buterin's post saying systems like WorldCoin could be complementary with EAS. And in conclusion, Buterin said there is currently no ideal form of proof of personhood and envisions three different approaches to the problem that could become a hybrid of each other. He called for community accountability in the process with audits, checks, and balances, although saying he does not envy those who take the task it is designed to implement such systems. His point is simple. A world with no proof of personhood seems more likely to be a world dominated by centralized identity solutions, money, small closed communities, or some combination of all 
three. And as of July 14th, the week before the system's launch, signups for WorldCoin World ID surpassed two million in less than half the time it took it to reach its first million. All I know is this. I want to be very clear here. I do not trust WorldCoin. I do not trust Ethereum. Vitalik Buterin. I do not trust the Ethereum Foundation. I do not trust the government of the United States. I don't trust virtually any governments, maybe Najib Bokele over in El Salvador because they made Bitcoin a legal tender. But I'm just saying the obvious out loud, trust nobody, verify everything. I see what they are trying to do. And all I know is this, refuse. You know, especially when it comes to CBDCs, FedCoin, and all of these things that are going to take away your freedoms. I don't care who is promoting it or talking about it. We have Bitcoin, and guess what? Bitcoin is our saving grace because this is the antidote to the CBDCs and our oppressors who threw us overboard a very long time ago. And I want to make that loud and clear, but let me know what you guys think about WorldCoin and this article I just shared with you. Now let's break down a $157,000 Bitcoin price. Price target as per crypto analyst uh, Dave the Wave. Check it out. Uh, Bitcoin, as we know, is currently flirting around 30. Uh 30,000 with the market cap at roughly just shy of 600 billion. We had standard chartered analysts believing Bitcoin miners will play a crucial role in propelling the token's price to new highs. And during the crypto winter of 2022, the miners faced huge pain as the price crashed by nearly 80%. But on the other hand, the Bitcoin mining costs were on a steep rise, resulting in little to no profitability. However, Bitcoin strength continues to grow this year with the price rising further. Miners are less likely to sell their coins as we approach the Bitcoin halving, roughly nine months out, scheduled to be sometime in April of 2024. And during his interview with Business Insider, the analyst said if a higher Bitcoin price causes the miners to sell fewer tokens, it would boost the price, eventually creating a positive feedback loop, thereby driving the price above 120000 That's right. So when Standard Chartered came out and made their 120000 prediction, this is the analyst they based that off of. And now he's saying, we're going to shoot above and beyond this 120000 mark. Also like to point out, that the main shareholder of Standard Chartered Bank is none other than BlackRock. So let that sink in and back to the story. So another positive factor for the coin, obviously, is the halving. During this event, the rewards given to miners get cut in half. This helps limit the supply of Bitcoins and in the past resulted in the price going up. Uh, so quoting him here, so they basically want to have a company that starts out when the prices are cheap, get cheaper, electricity and stuff, and hold on. It's like a super leverage play. And Geoff, the analyst, has been bullish about Bitcoin and predicted 100,000 level back in uh, levels by 2024 earlier in this year and beyond minor profitability there could be several other contributing factors behind this he says it includes bitcoin safe haven reputation including interest regulatory adaptions less volatility and alternative currency fall off and he particularly mentioned the blackrock filing of the spot bitcoin etf particularly signals more demand from institutional players also the fed ending its rate hiking cycle by the year end would marginally help bitcoin and several market analysts shared bullish price predictions for bitcoin by the year end as well as for next year. So yeah, I mean, it's a given. I feel the price is likely to uh, continue pumping, obviously. And now let's discuss our next uh, price prediction. And I may have mixed these two up. We should have been on the <laughs> the 120,000 
157, but nonetheless, it's all the same. We're going to get to it, and then we're going to get into everything Michael Saylor with his $1 million uh, price prediction. So now let's break down our next story of the day. We have a trader with a history of accurate market calls. It's warning the Bitcoin bulls not to get too ahead of themselves with outlandish price targets. We have crypto analyst Dave the Wave. Dave the Wave uses a logarithmic growth curve to map the potential trajectory of Bitcoin, depicting diminishing volatility and therefore smaller rallies and less dramatic corrections over time. The LGC is designed to estimate Bitcoin's long-term highs as well as lows throughout its lifetime while ignoring the short-term volatility, says the trader, quitting him here. Beware, the Bitcoin charts with longer-term projected straight lines, channels, and parallels that will proliferate for price targets in the next bull run, exactly what led to most astray the last time. And looking at the trader's chart, the LGC model appears to predict Bitcoin can rally above 200,000 before 2026 expires. Dave DeWave says that while Bitcoin is relatively high after its strong performance so far this year, the King Crypto is still in the opportunity zone for long-term investors as it hovers around this 30,000 mark. Quitting him again alongside this chart, yes, the price is relatively high, but Bitcoin is still on the LGC buy zone for investors. Now, he recently said Bitcoin's bottom is likely already in. I agree with that 100%. And the question now is just how high can Bitcoin run? Quitting him again. With the consensus building that the Bitcoin bottom is in, the question increasingly raised is what could the next top be? A proportionate response with the parameters of the LGC performing since 2018. The trader provided this chart predicting a $157,512 Bitcoin price by 2025. Let me know if you agree or disagree with the crypto analysts. And with that being shared, now for the moment you have all been waiting for. Let's discuss the latest with Michael Saylor. He was recently interviewed by Altcoin Daily, one of the top crypto YouTube channels out there. And I transcribed this interview. So I want to share with you some of the highlights with this uh, price target specifically and why he is so convinced Bitcoin will soar above and beyond $1 million per coin. And then we'll dive into our live uh, Q&A. And again, massive shout out to everyone out there. So yeah, let's start here. Michael Saylor predicts Bitcoin price will exceed a $1 million. We all know Michael Saylor uh extremely bullish on bitcoin we know microstrategy currently holds 152,333 bitcoin worth a staggering four and a half billion dollars and currently microstrategy is the second largest hodler of bitcoin amongst companies only behind grayscale which holds over 600,000 uh bitcoin so in this recent interview sailor referenced how adoption from asset managers and banks is crucial in developing the infrastructure required for mass bitcoin adoption as game theory continues in full effect. Now, institutional interest soared following BlackRock's filing for Bitcoin spot ETF June 15th, and other institutions are following suit with most naming Coinbase as their surveillance sharing partner. So now quoting him word for word, because I actually transcribed this interview in which he did, because I couldn't find an article on the topic in which he shared this precise prediction. So here we have it. Michael Saylor's uh, says BlackRock Citadel Fidelity will send the Bitcoin price to a million dollars. Quoting him word for word. It looks like a spot ETF will probably get approved. There is massive political pressure to approve one. The circumstances have changed and now there is a way for the SEC to approve it without backtracking on its previous legal and policy guidance. Word up. He continues. Certainly, there's a lot of Wall Street entities that have vested interest in seeing this happen. If you're an institution, one way to get Bitcoin exposure is to buy the underlying asset, but there have been advanced or challenges with finding the right exchange to buy it on and custody arrangement. So a simpler way to do it is to just 
just buy a spot ETF. There are trillions of dollars in capital that is required to invest in a security that trades in these compliant forums and is understating the obvious. There's tens of trillions of dollars. So there is a lot of capital that can't buy the Bitcoin or self-custody of the Bitcoin. They don't want to do charter. Maybe it's against the tax code. Maybe when they raised $10 billion from public investors, they raised it to invest in securities, but not interested in property or commodities. So the spot ETF availability is a major milestone for institutional adoption. The approval of a spot ETF is a major milestone in regulatory clarity, which is tantamount to an endorsement. The engagement of Fidelity, Citadel, BlackRock, Schwab. I mean, Schwab is synonymous with Wall Street, a hundred years of Wall Street. So what you have is Wall Street coming together to offer securities and exchange services and indirectly custody services for mainstream investors. And if we look out about 12 months, and if I was saying, what are the key milestones that drive mainstream adoption of Bitcoin? Well, one of them is clearly a spot ETF. The second is a designation that Bitcoin is an asset class, the recognition of a legitimate commodity. It's a big deal. When Jerome Powell says it's not going away, when Gensler and the head of the SEC and CFTC both say it's a digital commodity, digital commodity might not sound like much, but when you go down the next round, like, is it a Ponzi scheme or is it a scam or is it tulip bulbs? The difference between tulip bulbs and digital commodity is a zero versus a one. I have said it before and I'll repeat it again. If it is not going to zero, it's going to a million dollars. It is either nothing. And if it's nothing, then it's getting scrubbed out and banned. And of course, we know that that's not getting banned. There is no way that Fidelity, Citadel, BlackRock, Charles Schwab, Deutsche Bank, Credit Agricole, Banco Santander, all decide they're interested in this. They are not endorsing a tulip bulb, right? Once you go from zero to one, then the question is, well, it's an asset class. And if it is not going away, what is it worth? Well, it's It's worth 1% of the assets in the world. So 1% drives it up by a factor of 10 to 20. So there you have it. And in this interview, he also says, Bitcoin represents thermodynamically sound money and thermodynamically sound property in a modern high velocity economic energy system. So that being the case, anyone not using it is running on a 20th century system that is defective. Touche. And that is coming directly from the Giga Chad, Michael Saylor himself. And don't forget to check out CryptoNewsAlerts.net for the full premium experience with video and to participate in the live Q&A. And I look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's episode.